1: Welcome again to Gamble On, the weekly gambling podcast presented by usbets.com. I'm Eric Raskin, U.S. Bets Managing Editor and Media Director, and I'm joined by our senior analyst, Pulitzer Prize finalist, John Brennan, And I'm sure you saw the news this week, John, that some sportsbooks have taken down table tennis betting markets. Not because of cheating or match fixing concerns, but just because there's not enough information on the matches to be certain they're on the up and up. So uh, rank these events for me, John, from most trustworthy to least trustworthy for wagering purposes. Unregulated table tennis, an NBA game officiated by Tim Donaghy, the Super Bowl (laughs) national anthem length, and a charity golf match in which the players are making up the rules on the fly about whether to putt, or just pick it up and credit themselves with a made putt. Uh, I guess the
2: I, I want to pick a different worst, but I guess the worst is the national anthem because that's so <laughs> completely 1,000 um, percent determined by one person that um, they they completely own it. The other ones, yeah. you know, there's there's other uh, other issues in play. But I, I wanted to pick the golf um, because uh, not just because the absurdity of the two recent TV matches, but uh, really because the Tiger versus Phil match last year They actually played it straight in the sense that they would concede a 3 or 4 foot putt whenever they had an advantage which is what they would do in real life you know they want to make the ultimate win that much sweeter they don't want to blow the guy out in you know in 13 holes but if you're betting on it that's not helping you. You, you maybe you bet on 13 holes or you bet on whatever and they're not really playing exactly you know the way it want to be so yeah. you know that makes that competition almost unbettable. uh you know the ridiculous recent match featuring Rory and Ricky you know came down to the closest to the pin on the 19th hole just bizarre and um and no footage of the measuring of which which of the two shots was closest uh, of, uh, of the the two two golfers, which is, you know, nonsense. Um, after that, I got to go Donahue NBA game based on my experience. Um, uh-huh. It's not a direct participant, but, you know, all it takes is calling a couple of ticky-tack fouls on a star player early on, and you're really impacting the game. Um, uh, table tennis, uh, you know, first, the maximum betting limit is, is too low, so to, to be that big a deal. Secondly, if you're betting on foreign table tennis, you kind of deserve whatever comes your way, but <laughs> – now that I think about it, I need to remember that the next time a charity golf match comes my way. And, uh, you know, I'll probably make a pass.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I had to work the golf thing into the question just because it, it just irked mm. me so much, even though I uh, you know, didn't didn't have uh, big money riding on it or anything. But, um, yeah, the unregulated table tennis betting, um, you know, to me, I'd never do it. But it's no worse than a high lie. I I would say. Uh, You know, I I, I went to High Lie once and uh, watched it, and it just same kind of thing as unregulated table tennis in that nobody really knows anything. It could all be rigged who the heck knows, but I guess it's okay for a low stakes sweat. Uh, but you uh, know. have I
2: ever told you that uh, I was a regular at the Highline Connecticut in the 1980s, uh, mm. Bridgeport and Bridgeport and Milford each had six month visa players. So six months at one fronton, uh, six months at the other. And um, yeah, it was always hilarious to me because uh, I never mentioned this, but um, the, the, they're from the bathroom region, uh, Spain and Portugal, the uh, Spain and France, whatever it is, and um, their style is such that they know, if people don't know about highlight, think of racquetball, squash, something like that, it's similar, just a longer court, and you have, a, you have like a basket, but it's the same concept, and they know instinctively exactly when they have a chance or they don't, so when they don't have a chance, they don't chase it. Right. but Americans always want the guy to dive into the stands, you know, tumble into the you know, knock out a tooth, whatever. That's just how our culture is. And so the American fans, and there are a lot of those obviously in Connecticut, um, were infuriated by these players. And they were always con- convinced it was a fix and all that. So uh, yeah, were, but it, that reminds me a little bit, I hate to say it about harness racing, is that there's always been, you know, a lot of rough rumors about that. And the feeling was, well, the, a fix isn't bad as long as you know what it is because then you can get ahead of it. So right. you know, they, you know yeah. people only object to a fix when they lose that
1: one (laughs) that's a good point all right well here we are talking about a table tennis high lie harness racing boy do we need real sports back and we need them soon (laughs) (laughs) all right well thank you to everyone for joining us for episode number 94 of gamble on if you missed any of our previous 93 episodes they're all available on soundcloud apple Podcasts, and spotify and a quick word before we dive in this week And these are scary, troubling, in some ways inspiring and undoubtedly complicated times. We noted when the COVID pandemic took root that we think of our podcast as hopefully a distraction from the bleakness. And so we acknowledge the serious news when it impacts the subjects we're talking about but we won't get bogged down in it. Same approach here. Uh, We're not ignoring what's going on in America, but you don't need to hear two middle-class white guys chime in either. Uh, So we're here, we're talking gambling, and as for the stuff that doesn't directly impact the gaming industry, we're staying out of it on this podcast.
2: Yeah, and, and Eric, come up later in the show, we're going to have a professional sports better, Captain Jack Andrews, uh, who's made a partial career pivot during the pandemic and developed a popular YouTube channel educating sports betters on how to improve and win more or at least lose less. Uh, either one is good. Um, <laughs> so we'll talk to Jack about his videos, about being a sports better in a uh, time without much you know, major sports uh, and about uh, when he plans to return to brick-and-mortar casinos. Um, but first, it's been a uh, semi-busy news week in the world of gambling, so let's get to it here's
3: your gamble on news of the week an
2: inside look at the
1: biggest stories
3: in the world of gambling
1: We talked to Howard Stutz on last week's show about Las Vegas reopening casinos, and John and I discussed the possible timing for Atlantic City's casinos. Well, now some of the biggest casinos in the country are open again. Uh, Las Vegas officially welcomed customers at midnight, about 12 hours before our podcast recording here on Thursday, and a little less than half of the strip properties opened up. Videos were quickly shared, showing some areas looking crowded already, and a bit of a mixed bag in terms of people wearing masks and distancing and people who look like they don't believe coronavirus is real. Uh, On Monday, meanwhile, uh, John drove to Foxwoods and Mohegan Sun in Connecticut and observed both of those casinos on the first day customers were allowed back in. I'll let him go into detail, but I'll just say that each casino had its own approach to health and safety. Uh, A quick note on this subject of casino reopenings, our colleague Gary Rotstein wrote an excellent piece on US Bets last Friday, in which an industry expert told him, if casinos get back to about 35% of previous revenues, That will make the cost of opening up worth it to them. And by targeting some higher end clientele, they might not quite need 35 percent of previous traffic to achieve 35 percent of revenues. Uh, So, uh, John, how busy were the casinos you entered compared to usual? And what are your thoughts on the health and safety measures you're seeing implemented?
2: Yeah, well, the Connecticut tribal casinos are are only opening about 25% capacity to start. Um, Remember, these are enormous fortresses for those that haven't been there. I mean, Foxwoods has a 9 million square foot footprint. Uh, Amazing. Uh, Mm -hmm. For a while, it was the largest casino in the country. Um, So some hotels and floor level casinos. In the resort were, were closed completely, for example. But, you know, uh, I'm told that Foxwoods and Mohegan Sun each had dozens of eager gamblers for their, like, mid-morning openings on Monday. Um, I visited both of them around lunchtime, and there were no lines at all. Um, you know, this being the northeast and, and a region that has combined for nearly half of the pandemic deaths, uh, not only are mass mandatory, but usage is not controversial, as it is in some parts of the country. So, uh, and social distancing was excellent at Foxwoods, and you know, somewhat it was okay at, at Mohegan Sun, um, but I would call them both uh, safe overall, uh, okay. especially again compared to the rest of the country. Um, Mohegan Sun had a, a, a tactical error, I think, that I hope I've convinced them to change and uh, leading other casinos around the country to follow suit. Um, and now, Foxwood, you stop for a brief moment? And a scanner reveals that your temperature is, as mine was uh, was normal, and that's just reassuring to me. And it's reassuring to me that other people are going through the same process. You know, I wrote that no such scanning was inevitable. At Logan Sun, which is true, but um, they later told me they have a non-invasive scanner. So if your temperature is too high, you're going to be turned away. Hmm. But in this environment, gamblers want to know that they are and their fellow players have been screened. You know, it's good that they do it, but you want to know that they did it. So, you know, overall I, I see Mohegan Sun as safe and Foxwoods, you know, with some weird plexiglass for three handed craps, admittedly, but uh, as safer.
1: Right. So you say gamblers uh, want to know that uh, the other people among them are, uh, are, are uh, okay and not running a fever. And I would just say uh, that's true of most gamblers, but I guess not all because uh, I was reading uh, Howard Stutz's coverage today, Thursday, he's been keeping a running blog, uh, uh, as as he's been uh, going up and down the Vegas Strip. And I read one, uh, one passage that blew my mind. He interviewed a gambler named Stephen Brox, 42 years old. Uh, Howard writes, Brox didn't wear a mask and doesn't fear COVID-19, saying by washing his hands and taking care of himself, he will be okay. I'm not in there licking the machines, Brock said. Uh, that's the end of uh, Howard's passage. Uh, now this is you know not not the mindset of everybody who's chosen to enter a casino this week, but I think it reflects the mindset of a, a decent number of people they 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 still don't get it with this disease. they think because they're not in a high risk group they're invincible and the non mask wearers, you know, those masks are mostly to protect others. And so if you don't wear a mask, Mm -hmm. you're saying I'm selfish, and I don't care if I'm an asymptomatic carrier, and I infect someone else. And you're right that it's partially cultural, in a sense, based on where you are and what other people are doing, and whether uh, there's been a lot of COVID in your area uh, that has uh, sort of forced the the hand on, on mask wearing. But it just really saddens me that we're three months into this, and there are so many people out there with that attitude. Um, I mean, I get it. You know, you look at the the pictures you took of the plexiglass and uh, mm-hmm. the, the the no high fiving and and all that sort of stuff. It's mm-hmm. not what a casino is supposed to be. It's 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 just it's not as fun. I, I can't deny that. So you know, not not every casino is using plexiglass, but. I don't see how these Vegas casinos are are not requiring masks for, for people to congregate in large numbers indoors. That's that's maddening to me. Uh, and, you know, just as it has been seeing people at protests, you know, at close quarters without masks, um, although at least they're outdoors. But, um, you know, if all casinos were taking the best possible precautions, I certainly wouldn't be opposed to them opening up right now. I wouldn't go and play myself. But uh, I get that The country's grown restless and people need to make money and spend money. So there's no stopping the reopening at this point, uh, though I expect uh, some states will have mandated reclosings at some point uh, in the future.
2: Yeah, I mean, I hope not, but uh, you know, uh, there's a reason I referred to these two casinos as safe and safer. I think, that, right. <laughs> You know, as you say, there's there's a certain standard that you know it's crazy not to insist on. I think, and um, and they both meet that. So if meeting that is enough, you can go to Mohican Sun. And if you still think, well, you know, I, I need a little more, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that either. Um, they'd probably go to Foxwood. So I, I think both are are probably fine. And um, you know, not that they coordinated this, but. I I think they're giving two reasonable options. You know, one is a little less stringent, but they're both stringent, and they're both, like I said, they're both. I think they're both safe. So right. uh, I think they're doing a good job, and I, I kind of wish you know, the rest of the country would would sort of pick from one of these two models. You know, you go this way or this way, but anything below that, that starts to worry me. Yeah,
1: yeah. I, the safe, safe and safer sounds about right, and then there's uh, safe fest, which is uh, what you have in New Jersey, and I have in Pennsylvania. And I realize it's not the true casino experience, but online gaming safest. Safe No doubt about it.
2: Oh, yeah, absolutely.
1: (laughs) All right. uh, For our second story, let's go to the most important potential sports betting state in the nation, California. In theory, California has been taking steps toward legalizing sports betting over the past week. The most recent step is that on Wednesday afternoon, the Senate Governmental Organization Committee voted 9-3 to 3 to send the amended SCA-6 bill to the Appropriations Committee. The amendments would allow for statewide mobile wagering with in-person registration required and land-based betting at Indian casinos and racetracks, but not card rooms. Uh, on a side note, the amendments would also allow tribal casinos to add crap and roulette. So... On paper, it sounds like progress for sports betting, but, as tends to be the case in California, the state and the tribes are clashing with the tribes opposing this bill and using words like odious and betrayal." Uh, a representative of the tribe said during a hearing that the tribes were not consulted at all in the crafting of the bill and amendments. Uh, we had Dan Wallach on this show a few weeks ago saying he thought California sports betting had a chance in 2020 uh, but uh, Victor Rocho was much less optimistic about it when we spoke with him. Two Two weeks ago. So, uh, John, I'll ask you, h- how big of a long shot uh, does, does this seem to be? Yeah, you know,
2: remember, uh, too big to fail. I think California and Florida are too big to succeed when it comes to sports betting. Mm. Um, There's just too much money on the table to gain an agreement, which is odd because it it should mean that everyone gets to wet their beak, as we say here in Jersey. But, um, you know, I like this California bill as as a sensible compromise. Um, Both sides get something they didn't previously have, um, which is exactly why I think it's doomed.
1: Yeah, it, uh, it it sure seems that way from from all the experts. You know, I, I'm I'm no expert on on the politics of California gaming, but yeah, I've seen anything from uh, it's a 10 to one long shot to it's a 20 to one long shot. So uh, yeah. any anywhere in that range means don't get your hopes up. Um, but I guess you know, crafting a bill forces a conversation, and starting the conversation is an important step in eventually finding a compromise. So. Maybe California won't be such a big underdog in 2021 or 2022 or something like that.
2: Uh, I'm going to keep betting the under and I'll keep cashing
1: in. <laughs> yeah, probably. And uh, just on uh, strict factual notes here uh, with regard to uh, this uh, this bill, the legislation would need a two-thirds approval in both legislative chambers in order to then be put up to voters in November uh, when a majority of voters would have to vote yes in the general election. And it's been reported that if the tribes oppose the bill, they hold enough sway to probably defeat the measure in the election. So no uh, yeah, a no lot, lot of hurdles to get past here.
2: Yeah, it's not happening.
1: Um, All right. Let's finish the news segment with a sports leagues planning to return update, focusing on one piece of good news and one piece of bad news. Let's hit the bad news first. And it's really just an extension of what we discussed last week as MLB continues to bobble the ball. The Players Union counteroffered a 114 game regular season. The league rejected the proposal. And so now it's feeling like a 50-game season or so, uh, or no season at all, uh, are both possibilities. Uh, In much better news, the NBA released its resumption plan this week with 22 teams, uh, basically every team in some semblance of being in the playoff hunt, uh, returning to play Eight more regular season games at the Disney campus in Orlando, then either playoffs or a possible play in tournament for the eighth seed, followed by the playoffs. So it's 13 Western Conference teams and nine Eastern Conference teams, just based on who was close to the playoff bubble and who wasn't. Um, And speaking of uh, bubbles, they'll all be in a bubble of sorts uh, down there in Orlando. And we'll all cross our fingers and hope nobody tests positive uh, once this thing gets started. Uh, John, what do you think of the plan? Uh, is it realistic to think they can start these games back up without COVID shutting it back down again? And any other thoughts on the status of major sports here in the first week of June?
2: Well, uh, you know, I think the NBA plan is – is. Uh is workable. Um, They're looking at one hotel that has 2,350 rooms, so that leaves about 2,000 rooms left over when all the players are are booked in. So, um, you know, there's room for, you know, plenty of other personnel, and also you don't have every room on a floor uh, filled by any means. Um, Also, you know, six teams are only going to be there for about two weeks before they leave, and then eight more teams will last two two more weeks, and they'll be gone, and there'll be only eight teams left after a month. So, um, you know, the better the team, too, I I think the less likely it is to have players would look to uh, do reckless things, and even if a few are reckless, it, it's not as if every foolish encounter leads to contracting the virus, uh, Fortunately, because we're all, uh, you know, we're all reckless in our own way. Uh, <laughs> so I, I think this can work. Um, you know, PJ Tour Golf uh, resumes next weekend, uh, not this weekend, but next weekend. Uh, they're kicking off five weeks of forgettable events before the good stuff begins in late July, so that's kind of easing in and uh, spectator-free. That should work. Um, I would rather they had limited the fields, though. You know, they get as high as 156 players you know, just pay out the lower half of that group, say, like a check matching their typical event cashing of 2019 or something, you know, but what do I know? Because right. um, none of those players are going to win the tournament anyway. Um, hockey seems good to go, I think, and college and pro football are, are taking precaution. you know, preseason baby steps. So they're, they're moving forward, I think. Uh, but as I said last week, I'm, I'm nervous about baseball, and, and I still am.
1: Yeah. Wait, John Brennan, not a believer in the underdogs, whether it's uh, California sports betting or it's uh, the, the 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 lower ranked guys on the golf tour. But uh, um, no. um, but yeah, the NBA thing. It's I guess what what bothers me a little here, and I, and I think that the. Uh, The the plan they've laid out makes a lot of sense, Uh, but it's just because the NBA is such a star-driven sport and such a sport where one player makes a huge difference, I'm a little more concerned about the possibility of COVID putting asterisks all over the result, whatever the result is. I mean, if LeBron or Kawhi or Giannis suddenly has to go into a two-week quarantine during the playoffs— then what is this championship worth um so we'll we'll learn how tightly sealed this bubble is but i certainly feel it's worth giving it a shot and seeing what happens these players are undoubtedly the lowest of the low risk given their age and their physical conditioning the format seems logical to me i know they want to get up to 70 regular season games for contractual purposes uh plus you know teams could use a few tune-ups before the post season begins um it's a bit of a shame the teams that earned home court advantages probably won't have any. Um, I've seen some proposals like higher seed starts all four quarters with the ball, stuff like that to, to sort of make up for the lack of home court advantage. We'll see. I I think no matter what this year's champ gets a big asterisk, but uh, it's better than having no more NBA at all in 2020. Yeah,
2: it, it's 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 worth a shot, and you know there have been plenty of uh, superstars injured either at the beginning of the playoffs or during the playoffs or at a game seven and whatever. And certainly the result of the championship might have might have changed on that. And so I, I I don't think that yeah a star player getting testing positive is a huge issue, but the fact that they might not be able to play in the finals or whatever, I don't see that as remarkably different than some of the other injuries that have occurred in, in past NBA playoffs.
1: Yeah, I guess now that you mention it, just last year the, the 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 Raptors won in large part because the Warriors weren't the Warriors by the time yes. they got to the finals. So, um, and and by the way, I have to say credit to you, John. Uh, way back in March, uh, I, you were pretty much the first to write a story linking the COVID interruption to this season with pushing the 2020 2021 season back. Um, and you know, now that's just the accepted truth that the next season is going to start around Christmas. Uh, you were, you were kind of in on that angle before just about anyone else.
2: Yeah, it was, it was just a couple of days before the NBA shut down actually that an NBA executive with the Hawks, uh, was in, uh, at MIT in Boston for a sports business conference. And he laid out this idea, nothing to do with the pandemic. Let's start the season in around Christmas time because we want to avoid, uh, uh, competing with football, and also uh, we wanted we'll take over the summer. There's nothing going on in the summer. We'll have it. So. Once I, I was really fascinated by the proposal, and then a league official said, "Yeah, we are looking at this." So once I realized that, I kind of you know marinated it, and then as soon as all this stuff happened, I realized, wait a minute, the NBA has got plenty of time. That's why that's why I've always said they'll definitely do something, definitely, right. because even even if they had to wait as long as they did, and I didn't realize they'd have to wait this long. But they have that option if they start in December, you know, this the following season that's no different than what they were considering anyway and right. the NHL was not really considering it but they can do it too I mean it's, yeah. uh, it's manageable and you know I've also I know enough about you know covering sports and, and franchise values and TV contracts and everything else to know that uh, you know there's so there's just too much money on the table for anybody to be dumb enough not to play a season unless you're with a uh, baseball owner or <laughs> a member of the Players Association.
1: <laughs> right yeah but as far as yeah these other leagues uh, shifting around starting at weird times ending at weird times nothing is off the table in 2020 we're learning that absolutely
3: it's time to welcome a special guest
0: from the world of gambling
2: let's get to the gamble On interview
1: We are now pleased to welcome to the podcast for his second Gamble on appearance, uh, but his first in over a year and his first since he became a YouTube superstar, professional sports better Captain Jack Andrews. Uh, that is not his real name, but you can see his real face, at least, on his YouTube channel, where he's been posting weekly sports betting education videos for the last couple of months and has quickly attracted a nice four-figure subscriber base. So here now to talk about making videos and what the hell a pro sports better does during a pandemic is Captain Jack Andrews. Jack, welcome back to Gamble On.
3: Thanks, Eric. Thanks, John. Pleasure to be back here with you both.
1: So as I said there up top, the YouTube channel has been gaining steam. Uh, You already answered this first question that I want to ask when I interviewed you for an article several weeks back, but I'll ask it again for the podcast listeners. What went into the decision to show your face and not be quite so anonymous anymore? Uh, And a new question that I haven't asked before has anything surprised you in terms of the response you've gotten to the videos? So, yeah, you know, we, we did talk about
3: uh, a lot of the background to my decision to go onto YouTube in, in that article you wrote, and that was a great article. And thank you for, for that. It was very flattering words you said there. Thank you. Uh, in terms of my anonymity, well, you know, I've been a professional gambler for about 20 years now. Um, I protect my anonymity as best I can. Uh, I still don't disclose my real name. Um, but, you know, Jack Andrews is good Jeez. enough. It's it's a real enough sounding name. And, uh, you know, I, but I kind of decided the things that I do in casinos is becoming less and less. And, you know, this kind of pandemic kind of switched it over to be probably the majority of things I do from here forward will not be in casinos, uh, at least not for a, a long while. So. Uh, you know, what was the cost of displaying my face to the world? You know, I couldn't really think it was it was too outrageous for me to go ahead and do that. And, uh, you know, I've kind of become more comfortable with it. The first few videos I did, I was very kind of awkward and, you know, staring at the camera. Uh, But you you slowly get used to it. Now, in terms of uh, how I've been surprised by any of this, um, you know, I think my biggest surprise is that I there's there hasn't been as many haters as I was expecting. Okay, <laughs> I, and I hate to admit that because I'm sure that just kind of invites it. But right, <laughs> uh, I just assume that somebody's going to pick apart some little thing, whether it be, you know, uh, from what I'm saying, how I look, you, you know, what's going on in the background of my video. Um, you know, I figured somebody would have something negative to say, and there there hasn't been a whole lot of negativity towards it. So, uh, knock on wood, that's been that's been nice.
1: Yeah, that's uh that's un- unusual uh on any platform on the internet, particularly YouTube. I feel like YouTube comments are usually a, a very scary place. Um but uh, have you have you felt the um the momentum build in terms of of the audience? Like is it something where it was uh, coming out of the gate it wasn't necessarily a- as big as as it is now in terms of uh the people who seem to be buzzing about you and watching each video? Uh,
3: you know, I, Eric, I definitely have. And The thing I didn't expect is when I went into this making these videos, I I didn't have an audience in mind. I was just putting out some content there. I wanted it to be evergreen because I knew, well, I'm going to be doing this during the pandemic period, but I don't want people to think this is only something they're going to view during the pandemic. Uh, So I didn't, but I didn't have a real audience in mind. I was just kind of putting content out there and it's, it's definitely channeled towards uh, the novice or aspiring sports better. And that's what I didn't really expect, but you know, there is definitely a need there for someone who's just getting into sports betting to say, oh, this is how I do this. Or, oh, these are some things I should keep in mind as I move forward to become a better sports better. This is how sharp betters do it. Uh, and so that's, you know, that's been a little bit surprising.
2: Yeah, you know, Jack, speaking of novice sports bettors, you know, when I'm writing about Nicaraguan soccer or uh, Belarus hockey or uh, Russian table tennis, or uh, I've even dabbled in Taiwan baseball for a bit, um, you know, I I, I look at it as very lighthearted and, uh, uh, you know, people looking for a minor sweat as they call it but you know it's not anything major you can't bet that much money on them anyway and probably rightly so so you know it's just a diversion but you know you're on the other end of the spectrum on uh, sports betting you make a living doing this and and many of your colleagues and so I'm wondering is is those obscure sports is that an opportunity to have a big edge or are the limits too low um, or you know is it kind of a waste of time and then lastly with all the sports coming back you know, in a couple of months, we hope, you know, by the end of the year, can you make yourself whole compared to say last year? Uh,
3: you know, look, I looked into Taiwan baseball and I looked into Korean baseball and all those minor sports, but you just really can't get the money down on those sports that a professional gambler like myself needs to get down to kind of grind out that reliable edge. And as a result, you know, I've, I've just had to kind of move on from them. Um, and it's, it's unfortunate because you know these minor sports are often where you find an edge in the first place. And uh, but right now the sports books just aren't interested in taking a lot of money on these sports. They're just not really prepared to book these sports as uh, as aggressively as they do uh, the major markets that have a lot more liquidity in the market. Uh, 2020 is going to be a bad year, no doubt about it. Um, I I typically originate content with uh, baseball and NBA, NBA and MLB. And their seasons very little overlap. And so that's why I'm able to kind of do both of those. Well, you know, now we might not even have MLB. We might have an NBA that's a very odd, compact schedule into a playoff. Um, It's it's yet to be seen exactly how I'm going to handle this, how I'm going to be able to juggle it. But, you know, an important point is a lot of advantages you find in inefficiencies happen in the minor sports, the WNBA, minor league baseball. Uh, these are things that are completely off the table. There's no way they're going to have those seasons this year. Um, and that's, you know, that's something that professionals like myself are just going to have to deal with.
1: Um, so when I asked you the, the the first question, you talked a little bit about uh, your frequency with which you have visited casinos over the years and uh, how that's uh, likely to diminish uh, going forward. Um if let's say Atlantic city casinos open up by July 4th, as is currently being discussed, how likely are you to show up there at all? Or are you more of the mind to stay away from brick and mortar casinos a while longer, given the the COVID situation?
3: You know, it's going to depend on what steps they take and also how it looks at the start. So will I be there at 1201 on July 4th, if that's the the opening date? No, no way. Mm -hmm. Uh, But if, You know, look, John did a report the other day from Mohegan Sun and Foxwoods, and there was two different styles of virus prevention going on in those two casinos. And that's a little bit concerning, right, that there was, you know, such a a disparity between the two. Um, I think Atlantic City is going to be a lot that way. I think there's going to be places in Atlantic City that take this super seriously, and there's going to be others that are going to be a little bit lax. Um, You know, some of these casinos in Atlantic City have a lot of room to operate in, and they can turn off every other machine and just be fine, Uh, you know, Ocean Casino, Um, whereas some of them are a little bit on the smaller side, resorts, and, you know, it might be a little bit tougher to kind of social distance in those casinos. It's going to be, you know, it's a tough road to navigate at this point.
1: Right, with, with the online casino and uh, online poker and online sports betting all being options in New Jersey, does that make it much easier for someone like you to, to, to wait it out? If you didn't have those options, do you think there's a, a much greater chance that you would uh, be thinking about being there day one or week one or something like that?
3: You know, the online casinos in New Jersey have made it a little bit easier to kind of sustain, uh, but there hasn't been much being offered there that could be uh, exploitable for someone who's a professional advantage player. So right. uh, that hasn't actually been any kind of great relief to me. If if I had uh, an itch that I, that I needed to scratch in terms of gambling, well, that would be a great thing for me to have online casinos. But in terms of us being an advantage player, mm, now hasn't been the best.
1: Okay, gotcha.
2: Yeah. Now, you know, speaking of the, the Atlantic City market that you know so well, I mean, uh, I look at these nine casinos, and it's been a little bit of an issue anyway um, in terms of the competition levels and. I start to wonder if all nine can survive all this, and um, it's scary for me when I think of that because there's thousands of jobs at each casino, and what the every the closure of every casino so badly impacts Atlanta County. It's it's really brutal across the board. It's not just the uh, individual employees losing their jobs, but you know, realistically, as you're looking at it, um, a did you think nine were going to survive? you know, for five years anyway, and B, you know, how much worse is it now that we're going through this? There've been so many losses already and the rest of the year is not going to be great under any circumstances.
3: You know, John, I think an important point there is what we saw happen with Bally's. So in other words, uh, Caesar slash Eldorado sold off Bally's to twin river corporation, Uh, sold it for a song. I mean, (laughs) that, that was a bottom rock bottom price. But look at what that actually brings to the market. So now we have another individual voice there in the market. Uh, They have a hotel. They're going to be able to build out a sports book. They're going to be able to sell their skins online. And and that's a very important point in New Jersey that a lot of people ignore is the value of these online skins that each of these casinos have to sell. Uh, The price keeps going up from what I've heard in terms of what these online skins can get from uh, the online marketplace in terms of these other corporations that want to come in and, and offer their product because what New Jersey allows them to do is it allows them to get that rubber stamp of, Hey, we're operating in New Jersey. That's the most proactive forward thinking market in the United States. So therefore we get our certification in New Jersey and it'll be easy to get certified in every other state in the union. That's exactly what a lot of these companies are thinking. So,
0: so it- now
3: we have a whole other set of online skins that'll be available. Um, and some of these other casinos that are, that are kind of, we feel are, um, barely surviving in Atlantic City. They still have skins to sell. So, you know, it's not the end of the world yet. Um, Atlantic City might need to pivot and they might need to think a little bit more on how can we operate in this world beyond just offering gaming and as many people into our casino as possible. They have many other um, amenities that they can offer to, to
2: the public well that 's really encouraging, and, and you make a good point, but the idea that you know the wisdom of the legislature and the governor in signing that uh, that um, uh, mobile and casino gaming into action and now it 's been around seven years so it 's getting more mature you know that might save thousands of jobs in Atlantic City, which is a huge deal i, I don 't even know if that was exactly the way it was contemplated when it was passed, but that looks like it could be a result, and uh, that 's good to hear. Oh, absolutely. You know, and look,
3: there's a massive data center in Atlantic City. Uh, it was built up to be able to be kind of the central data center for um, online gaming, whether in New Jersey or in other states that want to contract into New Jersey to get that done, uh, hopefully without violating the Wire Act. So, you know, New Jer- uh, Atlantic City still has some some growing space there that they can take advantage of. And, you know, maybe we'll see Atlantic City turn into the hub of industry rather than the hub of just gaming itself.
1: All right, really interesting stuff as it always is when we when we talk to you Jack um, we, we've made progress you know we first time we had you on we had your real voice but not your real face now we've ad- graduated to real face by the next time maybe uh, maybe at least off the record I'll know your real name we'll see um, but now no <laughs> for people only listening to the audio he's shaking his head now all right that one's <laughs> off the table but uh, do this though uh, before we go Jack what is the, um, the the best way for people to find your YouTube channels it just go to YouTube and search Captain Jack Andrews? Is that the easiest way to, to track it down?
3: Yeah, that's the easiest way. If you go to YouTube slash C slash Captain Jack Andrews, that goes directly to my page, but just use the search function. I'm the only Captain Jack Andrews on YouTube <laughs> currently, uh, so I should pop to the top of your search engine results there. And of course, you can also go on Twitter at Capjack2000, uh, my 20 year old Twitter handle, and uh, you, can, you can find me there, and there's a link to my YouTube channel
1: all right well great talking to you as always thanks again jack we really appreciate it
3: thank you thanks jack two men
2: ten
1: thousand dollars will
3: they run it up or blow it all it's time to check in on the gamble on
1: bankroll Nothing new to update with our bankroll. We're still up by $189 with $990 on hold in futures bets. Uh, But we are going to place some wagers. Uh, Let's do one apiece this week. And I'm up first. I wanted to place a boxing bet because there are some ESPN fights next week. But they're looking like big mismatches and the announced fights don't have odds posted anywhere. So instead, here's a twist our first Aussie rules football bet. <laughs> uh, I have an article going up tomorrow on the return of Aussie rules game startup next Thursday, June 11th. And I spoke to an expert on the sport he told me what I needed to know to understand the game and the betting. And his favorite team is the Geelong Cats. They are minus 190 favorites over the Hawthorne Hawks in their first game back. I don't want to make too big a bet on a sport I'm just starting to dip my toe in. So whereas I might risk $190 on a minus 190 favorite in the NFL, let's go halfway here, risking $95 to win 50 bucks on the Cats in AFL action.
2: All right. Well, you know, I, I was thinking of doing an odds boost bet, um, but I see, like DraftKings, for example, the only odds boost they're offering is uh, on UFC, and I stand by my motto that you should never kick a man while he's down, so I'm not going there. <laughs> okay. Um, instead, I'm going to go with Portuguese soccer um, $50 at plus 310 on a Friday afternoon tie between heavily favored SC Bra- Braga and spunky Santa Clara. You know, with soccer, there's always a chance of a tie.
1: Okay. Yeah. Uh clearly both of us have uh, have really done our research here and have made uh <laughs> yeah. deeply educated bets. Uh... <laughs> but uh, who knows? Uh, we might, we might both win uh, proving that uh, the more, the more, you know, the less it helps something like that. I don't know. But uh, yes, exactly. <laughs> we're, we're, we're basically, uh, we are the opposite of captain Jack. I think when it comes to advising yes. people on how to become better, betters. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, that will do it for this episode of gamble on. Thanks everybody out there for listening. And thanks again uh, to our guests, whose name I just mentioned, captain Jack Andrews, or whose fake name I just mentioned. Anyway, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Eric Rask and john at bergen brennan and follow us bets at us underscore bets go to usbets.com for all the latest news and analysis from the world of gambling and subscribe to this podcast on soundcloud apple podcasts or spotify and with that john the floor is yours please take us out
2: yeah you know Eric,
1: this goes out to subscribers
2: uh of this podcast under 30 maybe maybe even under 40 um you know one could not have even reached their 60th birthday uh, trust me on this and i've lived through the jfk assassination segregated schools, the Martin Luther King assassination, the RFK assassination, riots, Vietnam War, uh, Watergate, you know, hours-long waits for gas in alternating days depending on the last number of your license plate, uh, inflation, the stagflation, Iran-Contra, recessions, the stock market bubble collapse, the Clinton scandal, the horror of 9-11, uh, another worldwide economic collapse, uh, and so on. And now a pandemic and so much more, obviously. It, 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 and that doesn't even stack up so impressively to my parents growing up in the Great Depression. My mom's family encountering a stretch of homelessness. You know, when her dad is back costing a stonemason job. My dad surviving 35 B-17 World War II bombardier missions over Germany. My mom, with a parallel torture, praying what might be her future husband would somehow make it home. Uh, you know, so what's the point? Uh, it's just... Uh, we survive and we endure, and it's always been the case, and we'll survive this stuff, too. And finally, you know, if all your social media hands you nothing but gloom and doom, uh, broaden your funnel. It, it's worth it. You know, The grim stuff is real enough, and it's important, obviously. But for reasons way beyond my expertise, the virus seems to be slowing up a bit. stock market, if that means anything, is soaring. Uh, and, and some real and difficult cultural conversations finally, finally seem to be beginning to take place. So, you know, if your are off all is lost, too, get outside more, you know, with a mask, though. But, you know, <laughs> even attend a daytime protest. You might just be invigorated and inspired by what you see. So, you know, with that, until next time, everybody, we're getting closer to my resumption of a full-throated exhortation of Gamble On.